What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and for all you guys out there that are loyal supporters of the channel, you're subscribed, maybe even the notification bells are on, maybe you're in my Discord, but a lot of you guys know I took a long weekend last week. We had the Bimageddon. The games yesterday were pretty bad, but got rejuvenated, got a haircut, shaved my face, took four days off from football. Now, obviously, I watched, but I didn't produce any videos. I am back for week eight, feeling better than ever today we're going to talk about my top 10 lessons learned from week seven yesterday when i was watching the games just my observations and my takeaways now without further ado make sure you're subscribed make sure you leave a like we post daily fantasy football content monday through sunday of the nfl season let's go thirsty thirsty trying to choose i mean i know i'm all right, so my first takeaway from the slate yesterday, a lot of the games are pretty tough. A lot of the games were not that great, but I think the one game that's going to be at the top of a lot of storylines was Bengals versus Ravens. The Bengals absolutely demolished the Ravens. I think the Bengals are now the one seed in the AFC, which is pretty wild. And my main takeaway from that game, or for fantasy, is... Jamar Chase is out of his damn mind. The guy put up 10 targets, 8 receptions, 201 receiving yards, and a touchdown as a rookie on Marlon Humphrey's head. Marlon Humphrey, right? The number one corner for the Ravens. He's a 25-year-old corner. He's their number one cornerback. He has back-to-back Pro Bowls, and he was an All-Pro in 2019 as a 23-year-old. He is a legit cornerback one in the NFL. I believe that the stat out there is that he's never given up more than like 140 yards to a receiver. Jamar Chase went crazy just against Marlon Humphrey, right? So if you want to say, oh, but Marlon Humphrey didn't shadow him. He had his good yards against so-and-so Anthony Averett, whoever. As you can see by this graphic, he had seven targets for five catches, 165 yards, and a touchdown solely against Marlon Humphrey, courtesy of PFF. I don't even know what to say. Jamar Chase is now on pace, right? His full season. Now, this is a 17-game season, but he is on pace for 85 catches, 1831 yards and 15 touchdowns on the season let me say that one more time one more time 85 catches 1831 yards and 15 touchdowns as a rookie he would shatter justin jefferson's record he would shatter randy moss's records he has the most receiving yards through seven games ever right so he's not going to break that season because of a 17 game season he is going to break it because he is that guy he is the next odell beckham randy moss Justin Jefferson, which makes it like this crop of wide receivers we just got. Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase is actually wild. It's wild. Then you have AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, CD Lamb. Like the young wide receivers in this league are wild. And it's it's crazy that Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson were even on the same team. This isn't even on my notes, but just something I'm thinking off the top of my head. With Joe Burrow at quarterback. It's just crazy. Like they are they are legit like top five to ten talents in the NFL through year one to two now i think rest of season for jamar chase you can make a strong case that he's a top six to eight wide receiver rest of season at this point he's not even like his volume's not even anything crazy which is what's wild he's not even like his target i think t higgins has out targeted him in all of the games they played together but jamar chase's efficiency just because he's so damn good he's fast he's a great deep threat the yak was crazy yesterday he had 114 yards after the catch 
so he's up there as like a top eight wide receiver i i think that now if we want to talk a little bit about dynasty here some of you guys play dynasty which is a format where you you know you roster the players forever he now i th- i think i don't know it might be premature through seven games i think he is at worst wide receiver two behind justin jefferson and i think you can make a case for him as wide receiver one in front of justin jefferson at this point now moving on to our next takeaway it's from the same game but I don't know what to do with CJ Ozoma. I don't know how to feel about him. Yesterday, he had three catches for 91 yards and two touchdowns. In his last four, he's had 13 catches for 217 yards and five touchdowns. And it's probably noise. And I think a lot of people are going to say, I think you're going to get two sides of the spectrum. One saying that doesn't matter. Don't pick up CJ Ozoma. You're an idiot if you do. And the other side saying CJ Ozoma is now like a top eight tight end rest of season. You need to grab him off waivers. I mean, I think it's probably noise, right? 13 catches, 217 yards, and five touchdowns where that doesn't really stick. But he's a tight end 11 on the season. Tight ends are pretty dry right now with the buys and the injuries. So, I mean, you can make a case for him to be like a top 12 to 16 guy rest of season. I would just stay lukewarm on CJ Ozoma. I wouldn't go, uh, you know, too far in either direction. Which then brings us to our third lesson learned. And it's that Cordero Patterson had a role change on Sunday through four weeks right so three weeks one and one through four he saw a 30 to 40 percent snap share right so like a part-time player he was really getting a lot of his efficiency off of boom plays and just you know three touchdown catches just being extremely weird is really the only like words i can use for it then he saw 60 percent of the snaps in week five so that's a pretty big uptick from you know 30 to 40 to now 60 percent. so now he's going from like a you know part-time player to a kind of like a rotational starter i guess you could say but this week was kind of weird or this week i wouldn't even say weird he just saw a big bump he went from 60 percent of the snaps in week five right so 30 to 40 climbed to 60 now he's he saw 73 percent of the snaps yesterday he handled 19 of the 23 running back touches which is now the second straight week that he's beat out mike davis in rush attempts he is now like uh, he is now essentially the rb1 for the falcons he you know he is now a full-time player at this point he gets a huge upgrade if this holds if he's going to if he's going to out snap outrush mike davis and then also get a lot of snaps at wide receiver right he had 25 snaps at wide receiver 21 at running back which is just wild getting most of the touches i mean he he had 19 opportunities yesterday which is like that's that's volume and that's what we were concerned about right i was one of the people uh, i'll put my hand up and say i was one of the people saying last week right i said you you should if you can sell Cordell patterson for his price tag of like a top 12 to 15 running back i would right so going from Cordell patterson to a guy like Calvin Ridley, Mike Williams, AJ Brown, something among those lines, I would have done it is what I was saying. But I fell victim to the idea that I think that we need to kind of get into a mindset of these, these stats aren't stagnant. And you know, they don't move. Because Patterson played himself into a bigger role. And this is kind of highlighting that larger concept is that players snap shares opportunity volume all that they're not stagnant they don't stay exactly the same throughout the entire season they fluctuate and one of the factors of fluctuation is performance right so if you're gonna if you start at 30 percent volume at 30 percent snap share and you ball out and ball out eventually you're gonna come up to 60 percent and then 75 percent and if you continue to play well and it's not just like you know one-off performances then your snap share is going to climb because you are a better player the coaching staff is going to if we assume rational coaching the, ro- the coaching is going to put them in this in a spot to produce more oh 
and 30% of the touches, he's looked great. Let's, you know, let's take that up to 50%, see how it goes. 75%, let's see how that goes. And every step of the way, he's looked really good. So it, it was dumb to think Cordero Patterson for 17 games is going to stay at a 30 to 40% snap share and be a stud. Those two things aren't mutually exclusive. His, his snap share is affected by his performance on the field, if that makes sense, right? So, of course, they used him more. So, I think in hindsight, obviously, hindsight's 2020. But if we looked back and say, okay, so he's balling now, 30% snap share, that should go up. And eventually, he's going to, you know, evolve into a player that can be an every week starter that has the volume to give you that floor that we didn't think he had before. Now, that's just kind of my introspective rant for, for today. And our next, our next storyline, number four, is A.J. Brown is back. He's all the way back. He put up nine. He had nine targets, eight catches, 133 yards, and a touchdown. AJ Brown. The the thesis behind AJ Brown all season is that he is just a stud. He is ex- he is really good at football. That's really all I can say about it. Is that in terms of catching the football, yak, all that, he he wins on the route. So he gets open downfield. He wins before the catch and he wins after the catch. So there's there's not a lot of room for error there in terms of him producing in fantasy because before the catch he's a great route runner he gets open he's a good contested catch guy then after the catch he's great with the yak so him not producing is you know it's kind of arrogant to say but not something that if he's on the football field he's going to produce and the volume's been there he's been great he, he's finally having this you know the volume finally counted right so this is jj zacharyson's tweet here he's had about 28 to 36 percent target share the last three weeks he's getting the volume i think this is going to be a start of a big stretch for aj brown you know possibly being you know not a league winner because you drafted him pretty high already but a stud you know top five to eight wide receiver rest of season i think this is kind of where it starts the the titans are putting things together here then our fifth takeaway is this is a little harsh what i wrote down but i'm going to say sam donald is a fraud he's averaging 165 yards and two he's averaging 165 yards per game the last three games in those games he has two touchdowns to five interceptions after being the quarterback five through four weeks of fantasy. So ever since those first four weeks, he's been pretty bad. And I'm on here being pretty vocal about my L's, but I'm going to be vocal about this. It's a small W, slight victory lap. But if you go back to our preseason trade targets video, right? So my early season trade targets, guys to trade away or guys to buy after four weeks of the NFL season, I said sell Darnold after his first four games. They're all very easy. And now that looks pretty good now that was like for superflex leagues that's why i never talked about him in another trade target video because superflex leagues aren't as common but i think with sam donald just if we're going to zoom out and talk about you know dynasty real life football a little bit here as a jets fan i wanted him to be great right i, I love sam donald he's a good kid i think you know i think he got he got dealt a really a really raw deal in new york but i think that this is kind of just kind of who he is i never at the time i was like oh i think he's a solid prospect because of kind of what the film guys say and his film in college might have been great but from a number standpoint he was never a really strong prospect he was a really young producer so like as like a red shirt maybe he was a red shirt freshman the rose bowl game penn state against usc he looked really good but that next season he had like almost as many interceptions as touchdowns he had a lot of fumbles he was kind of a turnover machine in his third year he didn't look that great he wasn't some guy that i think was you know the same type of prospect as a you know kyler murray even even a guy that i really liked that year coming out like baker mayfield he wasn't he wasn't putting up numbers that could even rival a baker mayfield kyler murray you know guys like joe burrow he was never there and i'm not sure 
I mean, a lot of this is in hindsight, but I think that also on the other side of like film or whatever, maybe he looked good from a film spot, but he didn't have like the physical tools of a, you know, a Josh Allen or a Justin Herbert where he's this big 6'5 guy that just has a absolute cannon where the ball just kind of explodes out of his hand. That was never him. So I am kind of sitting here thinking at third overall and like all the draft guys were saying, now I'm not, I'm just, I'm saying this in hindsight because I also thought at the time Donald was great, but I'm, I'm just kind of curious to know what was so great about him as a prospect, I guess why he was you know he was the consensus first overall baker mayfield going first overall was an upset like that that wasn't the vegas the vegas favorite he was supposed to be the first overall quarterback it was a lot of uh like suck for sam going on but yeah his junior year wasn't great i think he had some nfl guys on that team too i'm trying to think usc he had juju as a sophomore he might have he might have not amon Ra. i doubt Pittman. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. He didn't really have anybody else. I mean, I guess like Deontay Burnett, but that's about it. Maybe Ronald Jones uh, crossed paths with him. But yeah, he didn't have a ton of NFL talent. But now I'm just kind of rambling now. I will say in this present moment, if we're talking about quarterbacks, right? Like this is real life football kind of fantasy. I think I prefer, this is kind of, I guess, from a real life standpoint. But I guess I, I, I personally would prefer guys like, you know, Daniel Jones, Carson Wentz, Tua all over Sam Donald. I would prefer Joe Burrow. I mean, like, I think it's pretty obvious, but like Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins pretty easily. But it just makes it wild to me that they would. Now, Fields hasn't looked great, right? The 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 jury's still kind of out on Fields. A lot of people are kind of victory lapping that he's not that great. One, he's a rookie quarterback. None of them have looked that great. You know, you can't point at Lance or Wilson. Even like Mac Jones has looked kind of good, but he hasn't looked to be, you know, oh, he is the next Justin Herbert, whatever. So it's kind of tough to make any kind of assumption on justin fields but uh, it just felt like it felt like a lot of arrogance from their coaching staff to trade for sam darnold just to grab just to draft a cornerback at, at eighth overall jc horn or maybe it was ninth overall eighth overall ninth overall i think that they, they picked jc horn i know that the broncos picked patrick certain but just kind of uh questionable i guess and now i think that they're going to be in the market to now they're now they're in a tough spot because they have Sam Donald on his last year of his rookie deal. Now you have to decide if you're going to be the ones in free agency that sign him for a pretty big contract just because, you know, he is a 25-year-old quarterback with like some promise or 24-year-old quarterback with some promise. The quarterback class sucks this year. I, I heard that they're also making pushes for Deshaun Watson, but yeah, the, the Panthers are just in a world of of absolute pain with this Darnold. I don't they could have even just drafted Sam Darnold they could have just drafted Justin Fields have him sat behind Sam Darnold for a year kind of seeing you know what Sam Darnold has and then go from there but happens to the best of us I guess if I'm a Panthers fan now our number six takeaway is Jalen Waddle is quietly having a great season I just wanted to bring this up because Jamar Chase has kind of outshadowed all these rookie wide receivers but he's actually been like quietly very solid like if Jamar Chase if Jamar Chase wasn't a part of this draft class, like Jalen Waddle would be getting talked about right now. He is the wide receiver 20 in fantasy, and he's six in the NFL in receptions among all wide receivers, which is kind of similar to, you know, a, a range that, you know, Iuke and CeeDee Lamb and T. Higgins were last year, R right? Like, like fringe top 24 guys. And so that's pretty wild. Now, I think that we kind of have a crop of wide receivers here that we can work with. We have Jamar Chase. We have Devonta Smith looks pretty good. We have Rondell Moore looks pretty good. Tony looked pretty good before he got hurt. Bateman has had a lot of promise in these last two weeks. And now we have Jalen Waddle kind of performing. I, I would like to see a little bit more from Terrace Marshall, but everybody at the top of the draft this year has, or Terrace Marshall and Elijah Moore are the two guys I want to see more from. But the top of the draft has looked pretty good, which brings us 
to lesson learned or takeaway number seven. And it's the note I wrote down is Mike Gusecki, NFL wide receiver. The guy is essentially a wide receiver. He's lined up as a wide receiver 94.2% of the time. Shout out David J. Gattiari. He is one of the pretty much him and Andrew Cooper are the two guys I, I like to go to for tight end stuff. He's lined up as a wide receiver on 94.2% of the snaps this year, which is massive. If you want to have your tight ends, you don't want to have them in line blocking, especially sometimes they'll block on passing downs, which really isn't good. You want them split out in the spot, split out wide, essentially playing wide receiver because that's almost like a cheat code when you can have a tight end that is getting targets. He's getting lined up like a wide receiver. He's now the wide, he's now the tight end three on the season you can make a case for him as top five tight end rest of season and i think macro if we zoom out a little bit i think that he kind of just shows us that no matter what you should probably be chasing t- uh, athleticism at a tight end spot he runs a four five he's six six 245 pounds one of those penn state boys that are just rocked up killing the combine so i mean mike gasecki yeah i mean top five tight end rest of season i think that you would probably want andrews waller kelsey and then it gets dicey it honestly gets dicey after after those three to be real with you like kittle gronk hurt then you have i guess i would probably prefer andrews I'm, i think I, I feel like i said andrews though but like he's he's in the conversation gasecki's in the conversation with you know guys like hawkinson noah fant who else is in there i guess like dallas goddard so yeah i mean it's so ugly at tight end that i think like gasecki is now has a strong case as tight end three on the season as like a top five tight end rest of season Another tight end we're going to talk about is Foster Moreau. And it's that Foster Moreau is essentially Darren Waller's handcuff. If Darren Waller is out from here on out, okay, so this is this might be a bit of a results over process type play, but from here on out, unless there is a great option off waivers, if Waller is out, you need to be playing Foster Moreau. If you have Waller, or even if you don't. And that's because in my home league, I have Waller. And I was kind of between, you know, who should I who should I pick up off waivers? I, I had Cole Komet. I had OJ Howard. I had... Cameron Brait. I had Foster Moreau at the top of the projected points. I was like, oh, screw projected points. They don't know what they're talking about. Foster Moreau. Foster Moreau looked at me in the eyes and I said, nah, I'm going to go with Cole Komet. Cole Komet gave me 6.8.5 PPR points while Foster Moreau went out there, scored 15 on six catches for 60 yards and a touchdown. Now I'm in a spot where I need to pray that Kamara and Tyler Lockett don't combine for 20 points, which is extremely unlikely. And it just sucks because I've been a Foster Monroe fan. I have him on some uh, dynasty teams. You know, he was a fun prospect. He ran a 4.66 out of LSU. He was a fourth rounder. He was just kind of overshadowed by Waller these last few years. Before Darren Waller came in, Foster Monroe was kind of on an upward trajectory. But he he played really well. Uh, Foster Monroe had a 17.6% target share today and scored 18 PPR points. This is from JJ Zacharyson. Darren Waller has seen a 17.5% target share in every game this year, but has scored... 18 PPR points just once and that came all the way back in week one so this isn't obviously saying that like Foster Moreau is better than Darren Waller but essentially he's he slid into the same exact role and put up a bunch of points um I think that he probably has pr- some pretty good rapport with Derek Carr this is with, with like a different coaching staff so Foster Moreau maybe it was one game but it wasn't like a CJ Ozoma where he went like two for 90 and a touchdown he had six for 60 and, and a touchdown that's a that's pretty that's pretty good for a tight end which then brings us to takeaway number nine and it's that this is Khalil Herbert's backfield now. Remember, you, I don't know if you guys know the scene from Captain Phillips, but the guy when he's like, I'm I'm the captain now. That That's Khalil Herbert at this point. He ran for 100 yards on the Buccaneers. He is one of only three players to do that since the end of the 2018 season. That stat is from JJ Zacharyson, which is absolutely wild. It's like 
I don't know, top of my head, maybe it's like Chris Carson and Dalvin Cook. I could be wrong. But he ran for 100 yards on 18 carries against the best run defense in the NFL, which is pretty crazy. I didn't like Khalil Herbert coming out a lot. His numbers weren't crazy. I don't know if any of the film bros in the comments or on Twitter liked him coming out. I want to say he went to Virginia Tech. He kind of, he like transferred from somewhere else before that. He was like a, a fifth year senior. He wasn't anything special in my opinion, um, but he looks really good. They lost 38 to three. So I don't know how he ran for hundred rushing yards. So this goes to all those, all those coaches out there that say all you have to do is run for hundred rushing yards and you'll win your game. That's not how that works. He also had five catches for 33 yards. John Daigle points out here that, I mean, like he dominated the backfield touches. He had 51 of 66 snaps. He handled five of seven running back targets and handled 86% of the backfield carries. He is the bell cow until David Montgomery returns. And I think even when David Montgomery returns, he's going to be, you know, maybe on a pitch count, a snap count as someone coming back from injury. And we could still see Khalil Herbert mix in as, you know, a passing down back, a change of pace guy. So, I mean, Khalil Herbert is carving himself a nice little role here in 2021. And our last lesson learned of the day takeaway is that I, I, I hate you, Kyle Shanahan. That is my note. I hate you. I, I genuinely do hate Kyle Shanahan, man. Um, and I did a takeaway similar to this towards Urban Meyer, and he started giving his best players the ball. So I figured I'd, I'd take the time here to talk about Kyle Shanahan. And a lot of people really praise this guy and think that he is amazing. And, and I want to get something first straight off the bat is that he is a really really good play caller he is probably the best you know run game play caller he is extremely good at getting his offense to perform he has the scheme that he thinks is amazing but he's genuinely trending towards being the next like chip kelly he's two and four this season in 70 career games as head coach in san francisco he is now 31 and 39 everyone loves to call them call him this you know this genius that can do no wrong but he genuinely has been extremely bad in terms of his personnel decisions and his clock management you know salting away a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl for the Atlanta Falcons. I genuinely think he is best used as an OC. I've actually, I've said this take earlier in the season, people uh, call me out for it, but I think it'd be better if they kept Robert Sala, promoted him to head coach, and then had Kyle Shanahan slide back to OC. Obviously, that would, uh, obviously, um, egos would never let that happen, but I think that that would have been the best call for them. Ideally, you want Shanahan to just call the plays. The rest is too much for him. He, he gets so arrogant, and I, I put this on the screen, but Jacob Sanderson, the reason why I even thought about this is he had a really good uh, thread that he put out this morning, I believe, and yeah, 945, just about Kyle Shanahan and just kind of his downfalls, and he put it really well that Kyle Shanahan is, is so arrogant. He believes in his scheme over everything, and I can't stand this, you know. I'm firmly of the belief, and I can't stand this, you know, you, you see it in high school too, where like a, a coach will have, like my, the high school I grew up at, the head coach is very firm on you know, running the veer, the triple option. And, you know, no matter, no matter what his players are, you could have a kid there who is a five-star. You could, you could put Trevor Lawrence on this guy's team and he would still run the veer with Trevor Lawrence behind center. You could give him, you could give him Trevor Lawrence behind center. You could give him Jamar Chase five-star both in their senior years. And he would run the veer. And I'm not, I'm not being crazy and saying that he would run the veer. And there's a bunch of old school coaches out there. Kyle Shannon is not even an old school coach like that, but he truly believes in his scheme over everything, right? Like, and the thing is, is that in, in my opinion, and I think, I don't think that it's even an opinion. I think it's a fact, but I think that you should bend your scheme to the will of your personnel, right? So look at the Ravens, a really well-operated team. John Harbaugh, is it John, not Jim? One of the Harbaugh's, I, I, I always confuse it, but he is amazing. He has been so flexible, right? So this is a guy that's kind of like an old school football guy. You now see him, you know, 
being really aggressive on fourth downs and kind of embracing the new data. He's also somebody that's had Joe Flacco, a guy who was a pocket passer. He is one in the past from playing really good defense, running the ball and having Joe Flacco sit in the pocket and throw. When you bring in Lamar, he could have been, you know, he could have done the approach of, you know what, Lamar Jackson, I know what he did in college. I saw what he did in college, but this scheme works. We won with Joe Flacco. He is going to be a pocket quarterback. We are going to have him be in the pocket. We're not designing plays for him, but him and Greg Roman designed a, a, a complete offense around him where you're now seeing personnel packages that they would never run with Joe Flacco, right? So they're coming out in, you know, like full with like three running backs around him and you know, a lot of motion and, and read options and a lot of stuff using Lamar Jackson as a runner, you know, to use him to the best of his abilities and kind of getting, you know, players in motion and getting fullbacks in the backfield, just a lot of stuff, a lot of creativity that they wouldn't have done with Joe Flacco and that they embraced Lamar for. And that's why I think that he, you know, saw an MVP in his second season after being like the 32nd overall pick, they used him for his strengths, which is what you want from your coach. Great coaches do that. You know, they don't force the scheme that they've been running for years and years and years on you regardless. And that's what you're seeing with Kyle Shanahan. He's He forces his scheme and he doesn't care. I mean, he is building pieces around his scheme, but at a certain point you do have to adjust and you can't be so arrogant, right? And we're now also seeing like with personnel decisions, Kyle Shanahan has been awful. He pounded the table to grab, you know, Joe Williams, he pounded the table to grab Joe Williams, who was this like third round running back, fourth round running back who didn't do anything. He traded up for Trey Sermon. He refuses to, to use him for whatever reason. I'm not even saying Trey Sermon is amazing, but when you trade up for a running back, I, he used like Kyle Juszczyk over him that one week. Then you also have Ayuk, who this is, I'm biased for, but it, it makes no sense. He refuses him to get, he refused to get him involved. He's belittling this guy on media. Brandon Ayuk, a guy who was the wide receiver 15 in fantasy points per game last season. Now, I know that fantasy doesn't hold any weight in the NFL, but the guy balled, right? Debo Samuel was like hobbled. Kittle was hobbled. And Ayuk balled. Kyle Shanahan saw that. Ayuk balled with Nick Mullins as his QB. And now he refuses to give him any targets, any looks. The, the, the interception to Xavier Rhodes was because Jimmy Garoppolo just stared down Debo Samuel for the entire play. Now, whether that's on Jimmy Garoppolo or that's on Kyle Shanahan, who knows? But I, I'd be willing to bet that it's on Shanahan because Ayuk didn't get the snaps in week one. He's been getting belittled in the media. You've also seen Trey Lance quarterback and he wasn't even getting Ayuk looks. You also see, you know, the arrogance of trading up for Trey Lance. They gave up a, a huge package to go up and get Trey Lance. Yet, like the, the media will be like, hey, is Jimmy Garoppolo the, the expected starter long term? He scoffs at the media. He's an asshole. You know, like like it would it's crazy to even ask that kind of question. I don't know. There's just a lot of things that that annoy me from Kyle Shanahan. I wish that he would, you know, use his players to the best of his ability because he's such an offensive genius that he could, you know, make a scheme around his players pretty easily. And he could, you know, not be so... I don't know, stuck in his ways, I guess, but there's not really any positives. I just wanted to get that off my chest about uh, Kyle Shanahan. I think Jacob Sanderson summed it up really well in his thread as well, if you guys want to check it out, but I can't stress this enough. Make no mistake. The guy is a great play caller. Probably he, him and McShay or McVay are up there as, you know, the best play callers right now, but McVay, I think what sets McVay apart is that he, he won builds around his scheme and because last year you saw he completely turned around he was this this offense that was going to open things up and, and you know score the ball but he turned last year with Jared Goff kind of being limited leaned on the run game super heavy and he kind of turned into this you know like complimentary football like old school Rex Ryan type team where they 
they kind of leaned on the defense and they just tried to not screw it up on offense. Now, obviously, Jared Goff kind of contributed to that, but, you know, kind of just bending to the will of what you have. Um, but yeah, so as, as, a, as a play caller, Shanahan's amazing, but I just wanted to say the, the guy, the person, the personnel decision, the GM, Kyle Shanahan, not a big fan. Now, that is all for today, fellas. I'm going to go eat lunch. You guys can expect a waiver wire video tomorrow. We're going to be back to our full slate of videos seven days a week. Now, I think that I'm actually going to think about, so we always do a live stream on Sunday with just the patrons, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart down below in the description and in the comments. But I think I'm going to figure out a way to kind of uh, involve both. I have a couple of ideas on top of my head where we can go live on YouTube while also, you know, kind of making priority for the patrons. Now, I'm going to quit rambling. This was already a little bit longer than I wanted it to be, but things just ran a little bit longer than I anticipated, I guess. All right. So that's going to do it. You can subscribe, leave a like down below. Without further ado, I will see you guys in the next one.